Hello, Capitol Beach Church Faith family. Here we are once again for another episode of Matt's Random Tangents and Thoughts on All Things Culture, Bible, Church, Life, you name it. I, I got to admit, I uh, missed you all last week. It's been a joy actually to do this podcast and be able to just kind of speak freely and um, kind of share the things that I'm thinking about during the week. And the feedback's been so encouraging. Uh, we've heard that people have been listening to while doing laundry, driving to work, um, even just taking time in the evenings. I, I heard of one couple that are watching it while having breakfast together in the mornings. Uh, so it's been awesome to know that this is serving you well. I had the chance last week. The reason why I didn't do the podcast is I had the chance last week as I talked about, I think in the previous podcast, to go to Utah with my family to snowboard. Uh, Utah is one of the few places in the world you can snowboard with a family of four and not lose your shirt while doing it. Not that you lose your shirt from falling, but from the expenses of snowboarding. It is definitely not a middle-class person's sport unless you're going massively into debt. (laughs) Uh, But Utah actually makes it affordable. So those of you that have kids, just so you know, it is free to snowboard for your children 12 and under at most mountains in Utah. And it is actually really affordable for when you're old and bald and overweight to snowboard as well. Like myself, uh, I can get a pretty affordable ticket. So it's a great place to be. My family and I love being there. We got lots of good snow and snowboarded on several mountains while we were there. And it was just such a joy. This episode, there's some different things we need to talk about. We got some cultural issues that I need to address or make some comments on, or I would like to address and make some comments on. There's also um, something that I did not mention in my message the weekend before I left, which was on anger. I skipped over it in the thought that then I would cover it in this podcast. And so <clears throat> I'll be doing that. In fact, uh, why don't we just do that and get that out of the way right now? Uh, in the passage of scripture we were in, we were talking about anger. You might remember Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 26, five verses about anger. And in those verses, Jesus makes a lot of radical statements, uh, but one in particular Uh, while I read it from the stage, I know it perked a lot of people's ears up. And then I just kept going (laughs) because it just wasn't the time to talk about it and didn't have the time really with the time that's allotted to me. Matthew 5 verse 22. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone those of you cursing people out there while driving on the freeway. If you curse someone, it says, Jesus says, you are in danger of the fires of hell. I read that and I just kept going because didn't want to take the time because we have a podcast and I can talk about it here. Now, I'm not here to give a massive dissertation on hell, what it is, does it exist, what if it existed, what its purpose would be. That's not the goal. I'm here to just specifically address what Jesus is talking about right here. Now, when I say the word hell, your initial reaction is probably some crazy idea that comes out of Dante's Inferno or um, something you saw in a left behind movie or Christian cinema from the 1970s of screaming and gnashing of teeth. And while I don't want to get into the description of that, that maybe is not exactly what Jesus is referring to when he's talking about hell here. In the Hebrew, 
what he, Jesus is talking about is a place called Gehenna. And Gehenna was actually a physical place just outside of the city of Jerusalem. In fact, it was a valley on the south side, I believe. Was it south side? I believe it was on the south side of Jerusalem. And this valley was a place at the time of Jesus that they would people would throw their trash over the wall or carry it down, and they would burn their trash there. Now, the reason why this place was used for that is because this area, this valley of Gehenna was actually used for a lot of burning and a lot of actually uh, really sad things. Probably um, several hundred years before Jesus, at one of Israel's very worst times morally was at a time when they were worshiping a God called Molech. And Molech demanded if you were to worship him, that you would sacrifice your firstborn child, typically a son. And in doing so, you would be able to gain his favor. Now, those children were burned and slaughtered alive on behalf of Israel in their worship of this other God. And they would do so in this exact valley on the south side of Jerusalem. So this valley from that point on always just had a a distaste in the people of Israel's minds. And so it while they were not doing that same kind of worship at the time of Jesus, it was definitely a place of burning trash. And so they did not have um, the different um, bins that you might use to recycle and their uh, ability of, um, you know, removing their trash wasn't very common. So they would just burn it. And you find that in a lot of countries today, if you travel places like the Philippines and Mozambique, that there's typically an area in most urban areas that's usually a massive smoldering trash dump. So when Jesus is talking about you're in danger of the fires of hell, what he's initially trying to bring forward and the people he's talking to is this vision of a place that exists that's sultry, stenchy, disgusting. You are alive if you're in it, but you don't want to be there. And what he's trying to communicate to them is the better way to be human, the way that Jesus calls them to be human, is a way that doesn't just give you an ability to live eternally. It also gives you an ability to live presently. And I think what Jesus kind of do is a bit of a play on a location. Now, later he does go into detail on some of this stuff. And I'd encourage you to check out a book by Steve Gregg called The Views of Hell. Uh, Steve Gregg if you've been around Capo for the last few years, he's come through on Thursday nights. He does a brilliant job um, in his book describing the different views that scholars hold of hell because it's not talked about a lot. And um, he goes in great depth of the different um, perspectives that people have held over thousands of years. And I encourage you, if you're at all interested in hell, I think it's good for Christians to think well about hell and know what it is and what it isn't. And I think this book will really set you up to do that. So I really encourage you. His name is Steve Gregg. In fact, he's got a podcast as well called The Narrow Path. And he teaches verse by verse. And you might even find on there, on the website, thenarrowpath.com, you might find his teaching on hell. And he does a very unbiased teaching. He goes, this is just what people for you know millennia have held to these different key views. I won't express here my view just yet. I'll let you you get to know me a little bit more before I express my view here uh, on this podcast. But 
neither here nor there. I don't know if Jesus is trying to address an eternal fire of hell as much as trying to communicate that living in anger, excuse me, living in anger and cursing people will create for you a living hell here on earth. That you, if you choose to live in the anger of swearing at people, cursing them and the fury of judgment towards people, you're going to find yourself feeling like you're in some sort of smoldering, burning hell, not just a hell that maybe you might be in for eternity, but a hell that you will experience today. And that's the whole thing, you know, that we have a lot of poor language on hell. And again, this is, I'm here we go. Side note. Uh, we have a lot of poor language on hell. Like the idea God sends people to hell. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's that God sends people to hell or people don't want to spend eternity with God in eternity. Like they don't want to have, I feel like whatever you believe about hell, it's a continuation of the life you're in here. And if you want to be living with the rule and reign of Christ in your life, being found in his kingdom, then heaven is where you want to go. If that is not anything you desire, I don't know if God sends you to hell or you just get what you want. And at the end of it all, God goes, well, here, I just, I'm going to turn you over to yourself. Now, what happens after that? Well, that's debatable. And I encourage you to get this book and check it out. I think you'll be fascinated by it. I have, I have long struggled with hell and my understanding of it. And I took time to study it, to be able to think well about it. Cause I was trying to reconcile a just God saying you are born in sin meaning that you're already um, leaning towards not making the right decisions. And the decisions that you'll make being born in sin, that a just judgment of that, that the decisions you make over a period of 80 years on earth, that a just judgment of that, if you choose not to follow Jesus, is eternal burning and fire and torture and gnashing of teeth. I was like, man, that's not very, that doesn't seem very just. 80 years of poor decisions affects an eternal eternity of suffering. And so those kind of thoughts got me thinking like, well, how, how does hell fit with the character and nature of God? And what would he have meant? So I'm probably making you more uh, stirred than I need to be right now. And, uh, but I would encourage you, those kind of questions you got to, we have to think through as Christians, we should think well about these things. And if we're going to tell people that if they don't choose Jesus, they will burn in hell, we should know what we're saying and know what we actually believe on that and kind of have the scriptures to back it up. So I'd encourage you, get this book by Steve Gregg. I, I, it's, it's probably the most brilliant book I've read on it. And I think all the views mentioned in it are very biblical, but it also gives you the ability to choose kind of where you would like to lean on it and to hear from so many different scholars, God-fearing men and women who have held different belief systems, um, different sides of belief about it. Uh, I think it's important for you to hear all those before you come up with your conclusion. But I'll tell you what, some people that might feel like they're in a living hell right now are um, those truckers out there in Ottawa. Oh, man, can you believe this trucker protest? And I've now heard that there is a protest rallying in California right now that it's on its way to D.C. for an arrival by March 1st. Is that what I heard? I am baffled that Trudeau would decide to enact an emergencies act to seize bank accounts and punish 
businesses who serve food to protesters because these people want to have an audience with him to say, we don't think that your mandates are above par. What kind of world do we live in right now? <laughs> like, can we get, can we get a little humble pie in some of the, some of our leaders right now? Like I'm, I'm the same way with Newsom right now. I mean, we all saw the mask in Super Bowl and the fact that we keep having kids masked now again, I understand their reasoning. Their reasoning is adults can be vaccinated, so they don't need to mask. Kids can't be vaccinated just yet, so they need to keep masking. But when you know the data of sickness and the very small number of kids that have lost their life to COVID, it doesn't seem reasonable that a government would demand that in the classroom for their kids and not involve the parents. That's the part that's just so baffling. And I just, thinking of Trudeau, thinking of Newsom, and just thinking of how they're going to get themselves out of these mandates, even if they want to get themselves out of these mandates, they're probably stressing out, like, how do they do that? Because the only way to truly do it is to eat some humble pie. And the only way to truly back out of some of this stuff is to have some real humility. And I think what we're seeing is man choosing pride over his humility and what that is causing right now. And I look at the the stuff in Ottawa and I look at these truckers heading to DC and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be empathetic to these leaders um, thinking about what they're going through and everyone calling them every day on every side of the aisle, what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And and I, you know, I, I, I I don't want to be them. But I, I think that we've lost overall in the West, we have lost the idea of servant leadership. Like I think we have lost the idea of what it means to lead for the purpose of serving versus what it means to lead for the purpose of building up my own pride. And I think it's falling down around them. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> what was it? Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti, was it Garcetti that said he holds his breath while he takes a picture with the, the Super Bowl? And then, of course, it's probably his assistant that's taking pictures of him the next weekend at the next game going, doesn't look like you're holding your breath right now. You know, it's just, it's kind of silly. And all, all they have to do is walk in a level of humility, like, hey, you know, it's just, you know, we're all trying to do our best, but, you know, but instead of like coming around and stuff. So to me, what does that say for me as a Christian that says, man, I want to be a humble leader. I don't want to ever be above being able to say I'm wrong or I, I said this wrong or I led in the wrong way. Um, I, I, want, I, want, I want to always be conscious to live according to the way of Jesus. And in my mind, Jesus was the best example. Choosing to lay down his life, choosing to be bold when we need to be bold, but also laying down his life. And I think we should always be empathetic towards leaders. We don't know the situation there. We don't want to be, you know, you've heard the term Monday morning quarterbacks where we just judge our team on Monday morning because we wish they should have done this or should have done that. Otherwise, they would have won the game. Um, but I think we have to have this attitude of just, you know, um, empathy to the best of our ability. But I think what we're seeing is that pride is consuming humility and then what I think we should be doing as believers is just flooding the areas we work in or the areas we have influence. We should be flooding it in the opposite spirit, which is we should be flooding it with humility. So that, we, that way we make a stark contrast 
to the things we don't like that appear to be totalitarian, that appear, appear to be a bit controlling or, or appear to at least be a bit of pride, we can at least show people in the day-to-day, the people in our lives, that we actually affect humility in the midst of all this pride and warmongering and, and, and um, just control and desire of power, that we could just be the opposite movement of that, of gentleness, kindness, self-control, uh, and ultimately walking in humility. So to me, while I w- would like to get frustrated or angry, I do my best to just try to be empathetic and go, you know what? I just know that I don't want to be that. And I'm called to be a servant leader. And that is the opposite of what we're seeing right now in the Ukraine. I'm like, what is happening right now? Can you believe what's going on? And and why did America... Ukraine probably would have never joined NATO anyways. Why wouldn't America just made the choice to say, hey, we're not... Ukraine's not going to NATO. We're not... Like, it's, it's almost like we provoked Putin in this... It's just... It's really sad. And I feel like this is the world we're in right now where, where leaders are going against leaders and everyone else is caught in the middle. And the casualty is all of us. And I will, I will say that, and I don't say this lightly, and, and I even am careful to even say it now, but I will say this. Of course, we know we're closer to the time of Christ returning because every day more we live, we're closer. (laughs) But COVID has set up our world to be in this immensely fragile state. And now with all that's happened this year between Israel and Palestine, the pulling out of Afghanistan, and now it's going on in the Ukraine and what could potentially be much more complicated than that, it sure is starting to feel like there's the potential for a big global fallout. Now, is it the global fallout that the Bible talks about that would happen before Christ returns? I don't know. But I will say we should not be apathetic to what's happening right now as Christians. We should be doing everything we can to be involved in what's happening in the world. We should be doing everything we can to be prepared for anything that could happen in the world. Um, And we should not just go, well, this is stuff that's happening everywhere else. It's not happening here because I think we're going to start seeing and feeling it here as well. And then you got like Kerry coming out and saying he's concerned because this Ukraine conflict might overshadow the climate change issue. And you're like, are you, are you on the same page as the rest of the world right now, bro? (laughs) So it's just, it's feeling so chaotic and so upside down, but we can find hope and stability because Christ said it would eventually get there. So we should not be the shocked ones and we should be the ones leaning in going, how do we help? How do we serve? How do we jump in? How do we right now begin to plan to do something with humanitarian aid for the people that are in Ukraine that are going to be caught in the middle of this war right now. It's a great organization called Convoy of Hope. Um, I've, my wife and I have supported them for a couple of years now. I'd encourage you to check them out. 
They emailed us and they're already full on, full court press getting ready to become the answer to the humanitarian crisis that's going to come out of this um, occupation um, that Putin's trying to put into Ukraine. But I will say, man, we got to wake up, church. Church in America, we got to wake up and not be ones that swallow the narrative of what they're seeing in media. We got to turn off our TVs, turn off our phones, step into the world and serve people and help people right now. Because, I mean, the fallout from prideful leaders, the fallout from miscommunication, the fallout from manipulation, it's affecting the mass. And the only ones that have an answer really are us to step in with hope and truth and love and light. And, and it's crazy because I wonder if we're going to be able to do it. I had the chance to um, spend some time with a friend's student ministry last weekend. And I shared my story. For those of you that don't know my story, um, simple answer is uh, my mom was date raped, went to get an abortion, um, got an experience, had an experience of God on the table, got off the table, put her clothes on, left. And because she left and because of the experience, she saved the baby inside of her. That, I was that child. So I told that story, typically met with the response of like, whoa, God really like met you and thank God he did that and stepped in with your mom because you wouldn't be here. And if you weren't here, we wouldn't be hearing you talk. And I shared that story. And what was wild was that the exact opposite happened. The students got angry at me because they felt like what I was saying was that my mom, that God wouldn't have been pleased with my mom if she had aborted me. And I was like, what world do we live in right now? And, and this, is, this is students a part of a church. And, and, and I was so taken aback. These girls were so angry. They stood on it all night long and couldn't listen to me the next night because they couldn't, just looking at me, communicated to them that God might not have been pleased if my mom chose to abort me because I made it sound like God was pleased that she didn't abort me. So, so this is the world that we're, I mean, this is the world, California, this is where we've come to. This is where we have evolved to in a desire to be so progressive in our understanding that we've just become nothing. We're not, in some respects, any different than what the world is. And I think we need a church right now that holds fast to the truth of God's word you know, sailors would oftentimes tattoo on their fingers, hold fast. It was a sailor term that was used that they would yell out when storms would come to hold onto ropes or whatever they had to do. And it was this, and if you've ever met a guy that's a salty dog sailor, it's on the ocean all the time. You touch their hands, they're dried out and they're, you know, they got a grip that feels like it can shatter your, your hand when they squeeze it because they have this, they have this, strength of forearms and hands from what they do. And, and, and the Bible has this idea that we're meant to, that's the same kind of strength we're meant to have when we hold on to God's word. And I feel like that's what we got to do right now, church. We got to hold on. To, we got to know God's word. And we got to hold on to that thing and we got to live it because 
the world needs to see the truth of God's kingdom right now because it is completely counter to what we're hearing about in the media, seeing in the media, um, hearing about um, in some even church groups, you know, and, and, and we, and we got to disciple our kids. Church, we got to we got to take back our dinner tables. Parents, you got to shut those iPads and iPhones off when your kids sit down. You got you to you talk to them about the Bible and what they're dealing with. You know, the story you might have seen that went around Facebook of this young boy, 12 years old, that used his sweatshirt to hang himself and eventually died because he was being bullied. And his parents are all fired up about it. But I'm like, well, how did you not know? Like, you got to take that time to get into your kid's life and and, and disciple them and share life with them. And we got, we, 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 we got to bring, we got to bring back the kitchen table of, you know, conversation around the, around the Bible and truth and the word of God with our kids. Cause our kids are out there forming their own opinions to the point that when a guy stands in front of them on a youth retreat of all places and says, look at what God did to save me from my mom winding my abortion. They're getting mad at me because they realize well, that's not fair because you're saying that God wouldn't have wanted you to be aborted. And if, if God made a woman to have a choice, it should be her right to abort you, abort you and God should be pleased with that. What? <laughs> oh man, we've come so far. So church, we got to live different. We got to learn different. We got to read different. We have to be the difference right now. And, uh, and I think the world is coming to a place that they're going to be desperate for a different way to live. And uh, it's going to be up to us to show them the way, the better way to be human, uh, the way to be human according to the words of Jesus. So that's my time for today. I'm excited next week. The goal is to have a guest. My friend Gabe Lyons will be here finally um, on, on our podcast, but I will also see about recording my normally weekly podcast maybe at the same time because I have some things that we're going to talk about this weekend, particularly in particular nonviolence and enemy love, two of Jesus's most radical statements and um, uh, shocking ways in which we're meant to live. So I'll definitely have to do a podcast of that one because I will not have time to talk in length about that, about some things I've been studying about. But yeah, thank you for your time, church. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part. As always, you can email me, mattw at capochurch.com about anything I've said, and I will gladly get back on the mic and apologize or change or reiterate or better explain anything I said that you are confused, angry, or encouraged about. Bless you all. Look forward to talking with you next week.